Mike Darrow to center. Lundick shoots. He scores! Johnny Lundick does it again! Jarvis in close shot. There's a goal! Seth Jarvis, the 17-year-old, short side, glove side, high, just under the crossbar. Cutting to the front of the net, and they score. Reese Newkirk along the right wing just took the pass. That was phenomenal patience from Seth Jarvis and the winner. Hey, this is Reese Newkirk, and you're listening to the Pucklandia podcast. Welcome into Pucklandia. Uh, pleased to be joined by Hartley Miller, the news and sports director of 94.3 The Goat and Country 97 in Prince George, uh, B.C., and also the uh, color commentator for the, the home games for the Cougars up there in the CN Center, and uh, also does the, the Cat Scan podcast, which, uh, which I would recommend. And it's uh, it, it, uh, pleased to have you on the show tonight, Hartley. Well, Chad, with all those titles, I don't know if we're going to have much time left to do the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, for, fortunately, we got room, but um, yeah, let's 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 start with that. I, I didn't for those of us that haven't had a chance to to listen to, to Cat Scan, and, and including myself, with the the new episode. Uh, what were some of the the things that that you guys talked about with uh, with Zach Funk, Zach Funk, and, and Riley Height? Yeah, the two top scorers of the uh, Prince George Cougars we had on this week's edition of the CatScan podcast, which runs each week throughout the Prince George Cougars season. So we start in September and end April, somewhere in that area as soon as the Cougars are done. And it's mainly focused on PG Cougars, but WHL as well. And uh, we have a variety of guests on the show. This week it was about um, looking back at the Portland series, and, uh, you know, with Riley Height, who had the uh, two late goals, including the, the winner in the final minute in the Friday game that Prince George won 3-2, uh, and then Zach Funk, who is zeroing in on a Prince George Cougars uh, single-season goal-scoring record. Uh, as we do this podcast, he's sitting with 42. He's got 24 games left, and he's got 12 to tie Quinn Hancock's uh, record that has been in existence since 97-98, so it goes back more than a quarter of a century or so. And So we discussed about playing Portland. We talked about the fact that uh, who the powers are in the Western Conference, how they see themselves. I uh, talked to Zach about looking to get an NHL contract, which he says could be done by March as his agent continues to talk to some teams. Talked to Riley Height about the disappointment about not being selected to Team Canada for the World Junior Team, and also the fact that uh, you know he was uh, selected later in the NHL draft than many had thought, and uh, you know he puts that into perspective. And the fact that the Cougars have a really good team this year and how far they can go and all of that. So, and then we talked to, to them about the coaches and. There's three coaches on the uh, PG Cougars. Of course, you know, Mark Lamb's the head coach. Jim Playfair is very well known as their associate coach. And what all the different coaches uh, bring in terms of uh, uh, their style and their jobs and 
all of that. And Carter Rigby is an assistant coach with the team. So there was a lot of discussion. It actually goes for about 50 minutes. I was sort of surprised how, how long it went. But there were a lot of different topics. Uh, you know, we got their views on, um, you know, a lot of the league issues and everything like that. And, you know, where the team is at and the goaltenders and all of those things uh, put together because uh, for Prince George, it's been a very impressive season, as you know. And uh, I think the main thing with Prince George has been their consistency. It took until recently for them to have lost back-to-back games. They haven't lost three games in a row. In other words, they really haven't been into a slump, even though they've played, you know, 44 of their 68 games. And those two losses that were back-to-back came in Portland on a last-minute goal, and then the next night they lost in Everett. So those are the two teams challenging Prince George for first in the Western Conference. But on that weekend, PG did get two points because it started on a Friday when they uh, beat Seattle. So consistency has been something that Prince George uh, has put them, you know, at the top of the conference and all of those things. And so we talked about that, and, uh, you know, uh, and it's just according to those two players – their desire just not to lose back-to-back games and all of that. And they, they knew that at some point it's probably going to happen that you would lose two in a row, but it hasn't happened for three in a row. And based on the rest of their schedule, I don't think they're going to lose uh, three in a row uh, for the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that consistency, I mean, that's a, you know, so elusive, you know, at this level. And to, to see the, the job that, you know, Mark Lamb has done, you know, really – you know, build, building, you know, investing several years to, to get to this point. I mean, what's what's it been like, you know, uh, working with, with, with Mark Lamb and, and, and covering covering this team as, you know, he, uh, you know, tries, has turned this Cougars team around? You know, Mark Lamb got hired in uh, 2018, and that's really when we got our CAT scan podcast. So uh, throughout, you know, his tenure, uh, we have been doing monthly CAT scan chats with him, and that doesn't include talking to him on uh, post-game shows and things like that. He's been very good to deal with, very uh, honest up front, uh, and uh, he's been very successful trades. Uh, you know, he's made 14 trades in the last year and a half. Basically, there's none that have not worked out. Some have worked out extremely well, and he's been able to do that without giving up a future first-round pick, and a lot of teams have been going that route. Prince George has been giving up second-round picks and third-round picks. But for the most part, they've been able to still hold on to first-round picks. They're in a good position going forward, even though they do have nine uh, 19-year-olds on the team. But, uh, you know, in terms of dealing with uh, Mark, uh, he's been pretty much a straight shooter. He doesn't give you all the details. We try to you know, ask him what goes into trades and things like that. And he's very general in his comments in terms of that. But, you know, he's a very proud coach. And, and you know, things started off really slow. He, he didn't have the talent to work with, a lot of building blocks he had to put together. And, you know, when he first started in Prince George, I think there was a lot of uh, anxious fans that were wondering uh, how long this was going to take and, you know, how good a coach he was. But we went to the COVID era and all those kinds of things. And now I think everybody is fully on board realizing a very good coach and maybe even a better uh, general manager. And, you know, with Jim Playfair adding to the uh, coaching staff and his NHL experience, that's really aided to this uh, Prince George team. And 
you take a look and you see that Prince George all season long has been in the top three of penalty kill and power play. And that right there is another reason why they've been on top. And, and when you're winning, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, you know, Mark says, you know, in the podcast, uh, the last one that I did, this just came out uh, last week. He says, you know, this is the best team that I've ever seen in terms of chemistry and everybody getting along. And I said, Mark, I'm sure that's true. But it has to do with winning, and he can't deny that. Nobody can deny that. When you're winning, you're having fun. Everybody's buying in. Nobody's arguing. All of those things. That's for the most part. Sure, there's some exceptions. And so I think that's been a, a, a real key. And, you know, for him, I think doing the interviews, it's a lot more fun when you're winning. There's no question about that. And uh, I, I think that he has found that, but he's been very cooperative. Now, Hartley, you've been covering this team for – you know, a long time, and, you know, the, the, the 2017 run, the, the, the Todd Harkins team that, you know, won a, won a banner, you know, for the, the, the vision. I mean, coming down the stretch, what's what's the feel like around this team versus, you know, that last, you know, uh, division uh, winning team, and, and, and kind of how, how, does, how does the vibe compare? Well, in 16-17, they made some trades and gave up good young talent and first-round picks and all those kinds of things. And when you put all that talent together, they didn't have the chemistry. And they actually started to fade down the stretch. They were able to hold on by a point to uh, knock off Kelowna for first place. There were high expectations. They played Portland, and the Winterhawks fans will remember that. The Winterhawks were a much younger team at the time. The expectation in Prince George is, well, they'll take care of Portland and, you know, should be able to win a couple of rounds this year, and who knows, if everything comes together, maybe they could go a little bit further. But there was something just not right with that team uh, in terms of, I don't know, I, I, and I don't want to overuse that word, chemistry, but it, it really... It just didn't have, you know, a, a lot of the intangibles. I think that's a, a really good word. Yeah, they had a good goaltender. They had some guys that could score, you know, the defense that was there. But it just, they, they were fading down the stretch. And, you know, we, we everybody sort of thought, okay, they had enough to, to win the division. And, you know, they were, you know, 15 points or so ahead of Portland and they should be able to take care of the Winterhawks and all of those kinds of things. And there was, there was a little bit of animosity that went on uh, at that time with Prince George and Portland as to the dates of that series. And I don't know if you remember all that, Chad, but, you know, was it going to be 2-3-2 two, two like Portland wanted? Prince George said, oh, no, we get home ice advantage. We're going to do 2-2, two, 1-1-1. Two, one, one, one. And and then Prince George did a Friday-Sunday when they could have done Friday-Saturday to start the series. I'm not sure why they did that other than make Portland stay an extra day. And, you know, and Prince George went down there for a Tuesday-Wednesday, and they were able to, to win on the Tuesday. They are up 2-1. to one. They are up after two periods of Game 4, and it looked like Prince George was going to win, and it all fell apart. Well, I think in terms of this year's Prince George Cougars team, uh, there's, some, there's some differences. Uh, you know, they, they have added some players, but, you know, Borea Vallis, you know, comes from Regina, and he's a high-scoring forward. But right now he's not even on the first power play. So they haven't had to, 
you know, uh, they will put him on the second unit, even though his skill is enough to, to be on the first unit. You know, they add a guy uh, like Pauls on the uh, back end, and, you know, he's been really, really strong. Chase Pauls got him from Lethbridge, about third-round pick, 20-year-old, and, and he's a stay-at-home defenseman. He, you know, and he doesn't have to be in the first power play, you know, because he's not an offensive guy, although he has played a little bit on the second power play unit. So... They, they've added some guys. They've got a couple of goaltending. They've got a very unique goaltending situation uh, that is going on uh, where you have Ty Young, the 19-year-old, the Vancouver Canucks signed him to a contract fifth-round pick, and then you have Josh Ravensburger, who nobody had heard of. Uh, he wasn't selected in the draft and all those things. And then first 13 WHL starts get six shutouts, and everybody's now taking notice. And they've got a they, – they have a team right now that it, it, it's a given they're going to win the BC division. I don't think there's any question about that. It's a matter of how far they can go in the playoffs. And this team is destined to go further than 16-17 because their first-round matchup is going to be against a team like Tri-City or Vancouver or Spokane or Seattle. They're going to get one of those teams. And Frick Short just has too much talent. Things can happen. I understand that. Uh, there's no such thing as something for, for certain uh, in, in sports. And, you know, but I think that Prince George, you know, should be a very clear favorite. Then after that, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, are they going to be able to avoid a Portland or an Everett in the second round? And if they end up first in the Western Conference, they'd be able to do that. And that's really important because I think their general consensus is, is that, you know, you got PG Portland and Everett, you know, battling at the top. And I think most even think it's the way the rosters are now that Prince George and Portland are probably the two best. Although Everett, you know, they had a winning record against Prince George, the only team that can really say that. Uh, you know, and very young, and Everett is going to have a great team next year. But Prince George will have a very good team next year as well. But Everett doesn't maybe have. I don't know, as much experience, uh, you know, with older players and things like that. So Everett has done a really good job of hanging with the Portland and PG. But I think that, you know, a lot of, you know, if, if, I think if, Port, if Everett was to come out of the Western Conference, I think some would be surprised where I think if Portland or Prince George comes out, everybody would say, yeah, I, I, I would sort of expect that. So, uh, you know, this team is, is very well balanced. Uh, in terms of that, they've had strong special teams. You have to have strong special teams. You have to have strong goaltending. And the goaltending is going to be the one thing that, for Prince George, is going to determine how far they go. And right now, they've got themselves into a situation where Young and Ravensburgen are basically rotating. At the start of the season, Ty Young was going to play three out of every four games, or at least two out of three. And he was clearly... Uh, the number one guy, and the team announced that. And there is no reason not to believe that. Ravensburgen a year ago was about number five on the Cougars' depth chart, and then he eventually worked his way into uh, going into this year's camp at number three. And then, because he had such a strong camp and such a, start, such a strong preseason, he worked his way into uh, being number two and at the start of the season, you know, Young wasn't around. He's at the Canucks camp, and Ravensburgen first game is a shutout, and you know, all of a sudden he's playing and he's doing very well. He's putting up numbers, 
you know, Spooner-like numbers, and Spooner's, I know, has been out for a while for Portland, but he's putting up numbers of, you know, great goals against average, save percentage, and shutouts, and, you know, all of a sudden, he's doing extremely well, and everybody's wondering who he is at 17, and, you know, before Christmas, just after Christmas, there was a string where Ravensburgen started five of six games, and looks like it was going to be his job, and then Young would realizes he's getting pushed, and he has to play better and more consistent. Young doesn't have the numbers of Ravensburgen, but he's got that experience, has played very well in recent games. So now they're basically on a rotation. So, And Mark Lamb has stated for the rest of the way, with you know just a couple of dozen games left, he doesn't want one of his goalies to go two weeks without playing. So we knew, for example, last weekend – they were playing Portland, and even if Ravensburgen would have got the shutout on Friday or done extremely well, Young was going to play on Saturday because if not, it would have been a two-week gap until they play again, which is this weekend where the Cougars have three games and three days in the U.S. So he wants to have both guys ready, both guys you know, set to go. I would guess that if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, they would still start young, being the 19-year-old with the experience. But based on play, based on numbers, Ravensburgen has to be seriously considered, even though he's 17. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing with the Cougars is, yeah, somebody could say, well, you do have nine 19-year-olds, but they also have two super 17-year-old rookies, not only Ravensburgen, the goaltender, you know, who's, you know, got the record of 14-4-0-1, 2.15 GAA, 9.23 save percentage and onwards, but then you've also got Tarek Perizak, you know, a fourth-round uh, pick, and, you know, he's been putting up, you know, 28 goals and, you know, 62, 63 points, and, you know, he's averaging more than a point per game, he's the leading scorer among rookies and all of those things, and these are two 17-year-olds, but they're going to have a back next year and the year after that they can help build around. And Riley Hyde is an 18-year-old and, you know, battling his uh, linemate Zach Funk for, uh, you know, in the top three of WHL scoring along with Ferguson and Moose Jaw. You know, classes up there and everything like that. But, you know, they've got good players coming back. So they will be good. Uh, in other words, here's the big difference. In 2016-17, for Prince George, it was all or nothing. They put everything. They did the trade. They did everything. They said, you know, we may never get this chance again for a long time. So we are putting all of our eggs into one basket. And we knew the following year Prince George wasn't going to be very good. And we knew because they had traded away a lot of the young prospects and that, that it would be a while before the Cougars were even, you know, considered a, a contender. So Prince George paid a price. This year, yes. The Cougars feel, and, you know, I, I asked Funk and um, Height in the podcast, I said, you know, do you think that, you know, you are among the best teams in the WHL, or do you think you are the best team in the WHL? And both were very clear without hesitating, we are the best team in the WHL. Now, some may think that's a little bit of arrogance. I don't think that. I think it's just confidence and trying to show everything in your you know, within your team. Uh, I, I, I think that when you're, you know, if you're sort of putting together who are the best teams in the WHL, 
you got an interesting scenario with the with the two conferences. Like in the East, I think we all think, okay, Saskatoon is the team to beat. But there's four or five other teams. If Saskatoon doesn't come out, and they could get knocked off, even though they're all in this year, you know, there's a lot of other good teams there. Uh, you know, Moose Jaw's on the rise. And, you know, you take a look at how good Medicine Hat is, another team that is well-situated uh, for the future. And, you know, they've got in Red Deer quietly just winning hockey games. And Swift Current, they didn't trade for Geeky to go out in the first round. So a number of teams there think that they have an opportunity to do really well after Saskatoon. But in the West, I think it's a little bit different. Uh, you know, Wenatchee and Victoria are battling for four and five. We all know that when Wenatchee made the trades for Geeky and Savoy, that they thought, okay, we got enough to maybe win around, but we just had to restock because they had no picks. Everybody aware of that situation. So, you know, they had to do what was best with them. They made the trades with Swift Kern and Moose Jaw. And they're not as strong as their record because of those trades. They may be good enough to win around, but I don't think they'd be good enough to knock off uh, Prince George, uh, Portland, or an Everett based on roster in the second round. And then you say, well, what about Victoria? Well, you know, uh, Victoria, they've... They are, I don't want to say that they're overachieving, but they've done extremely well under James Patrick. But, you know, like they beat Kamloops the one night, and then they really lost to Kamloops big time the next night. And that's the kind of a team that they have, Victoria. Uh, they can knock you off, but they can get knocked off by the lower teams. And Kamloops is clearly the worst team in the league. I don't think there's any question about that. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Um, but I don't look at Victoria. I've seen them enough. I, I've seen that they've improved. I think they've got good coaching and goaltending is pretty good and all those kinds of things. But I, I don't see Victoria as, as strong as some of those middle teams I've talked about in the East. So while Victoria and Wenatchee could very well end up in the first round against each other and somebody comes out of that, I, I, I don't think either of those teams are strong enough to actually win the Western Conference. So and the way I look at it, and I think a lot of people do, this is for Prince George, Portland, and possibly for Everett as well. But in the East, there's Saskatoon, and then there's three or four or five other teams in there. So there's a little bit of a difference, you know, in terms of that. So with this Prince George Cougars team, yes, there is the feeling in PG, this team is capable of everything comes together. And there's a lot that has to be said to that. And the goaltending has to be right there. Because you can have all the pieces, you can have all the great power plays and penalty kills. If you don't have the goaltending, you can get knocked out in the first round. Uh, so there is a lot of optimism. The crowds are up. The attendance is up. Everything in PG is, you know, heading upwards. Uh, but if PG doesn't have as successful a playoff run as they think, the big difference is compared to 16-17, yeah, they're going to lose some players, but they're going to have enough quality guys. They'll still have up to 14 or 15 eligible guys to return that they should still be strong enough next year to compete at the high end of the Western Conference, unlike Portland. I think Portland is going to take a much bigger drop than Prince George will. But if Portland you know, comes out on top this year, they'll be more than happy to, to make that exchange. 
So Portland's going to drop more, I believe, next year than Prince George will. I'm not saying that Prince George is going to necessarily be right at the top next season because Everett's going to look really good. Victoria will be a little bit better. Uh, but Prince George will still be in the mix next season, and I believe even the season after, which was not the case in 16-17. You know, if, if we do end up driving towards a Portland – Prince George matchup, which I think a lot of folks are kind of, you know, expecting and, and, and probably looking forward to, you know, this weekend didn't do anything as far as, you know, settling that score with, you know, each team getting a split and a couple of, you know, really fantastic hockey games, at least, uh, you know, watching on video. I didn't, I wasn't fortunate enough to make that trip, you know, kind of what are your, you know, takeaways as far as uh, this this Friday Saturday series that we just we just witnessed that uh, you know you were on the call for. So, in Prince George, we get a lot of doubleheaders, and you know uh, teams come in, and often what happens on Friday has nothing to do with the Saturday game. In other words, each game is its own entity, and. That does play out throughout the season. You know, 68 games, they each take on their own identity. And often, when you see a Friday game, it may be low scoring, and then the next night it's very high scoring. On one night, you might see a lot of power play and penalty kill goals, and the next night you don't. And you look often, when we see these double hitters in Chris George, one game just does not resemble the other. This past weekend was different. It was like six continuous periods. The scores reflected how close the games were and the intensity was. So, you know, on the Friday, you know, slow start in terms of goals, 0-0, then one nothing Prince George after, you know, a couple of periods, and then... Portland gets a couple of power play goals, and it looks like, you know, Portland's in control. And all of a sudden, PG's power play, which had been 0 for 6, which is, you know, came in ranked number two in the league and been a staple of the team, it finally connected. And then all of a sudden, in the last five minutes, things changed to the point that Mike Johnson had to call his timeout with four minutes left because he saw his team sagging in that 2 2 tie. But even that timeout could not stop. You know, Prince George, and, you know, Height gets one from a tough angle thanks to a deflection, but then the game winner, he's in the slot in the last minute, and there was euphoria among 3,000 fans in Prince George. And I think a lot of frustration from the Portland aspect because I think from the Winterhawks' view, they thought they probably played well enough to get it to at least overtime. So you come out the next night, and would it be a very different game? You know, would there be a lot more goals? What would happen there? And then, you know, we see, you know, again, great hockey. This time, you know, Portland, again, you know, they, they, um, they're able to, to jump out to that one nothing lead this time as opposed to the previous game, and PG ties it. And, you know, Portland would go ahead. But in that third period, you know, while the Winterhawks, you know, had that lead, it was all Prince George. And they badly outshot the Winterhawks in the third period. I think Portland territorially is probably the better team over the first two periods on the Saturday game. But the real story 
was Nick Avakian. <laughs> you know, and this is a guy that, you know, uh, he, he couldn't find a spot in Tri-City. He's got some experience. And with Portland having a couple of 19-year-old goaltenders injured and, you know, their 17-year-old maybe not quite ready to shoulder the load. You know, it's Avakian brought in, you know, uh, after, you know, Tri-City, a team much lower than Portland in the standings, just didn't find room for him, and they probably thought he was pretty much done as a, as a goaltender, a 19-year-old, and they were looking elsewhere. And he came in. Now, you have to remember, he played Wednesday in Portland. I'm uh, sorry, he played Wednesday in Kelowna uh, uh, with Portland, so he played that game. Then he plays Friday in Prince George and Saturday, so he played three games in four days. He wasn't one of the stars on Friday, but could have been, and was in our, you know, in contention. Probably would have been the fourth star if we had four stars. He was really good, but he even put it up to another level on, on Saturday, and was clearly the first star of the hockey game on Saturday. But overall, from Prince George's point of view, Ravensburger played the 17-year-old, played really well in net on Friday. Young came in, played really well in net on Saturday. Each of those goaltenders was the second star. And overall, you saw there was a little feistiness. There was some fight. There was some agitation. There was some suspense. There was drama, and it was six periods. And, you know, I mentioned about, you know, Portland probably thought that they should have been able to get at least a point on Friday. And I think Prince George thought the same on Saturday when the Cougars lost 2-1. to one. They thought they played well enough to at least get a point. So it was interesting. Neither game did go to overtime. But overall, you know, each team got the same amount of goals as, you know, Prince George ended up four and Portland ended up four and uh, it was as good as advertised. For the regular season, which is not playoffs, and I, and I don't, you know, some guys get a little carried away, well, you know, playoff hockey, this was as good as playoff hockey. It's not. But for January, regular season, out of the 68 games that you play, what we saw in Prince George, and by the way, Saturday is a full house, 6,009 special night, indigenous night, feature night, great crowd. And I think the fans may have gone home a little disappointed that the home team didn't win, but they would have been very pleased with the entertainment value and the effort of the home team. So overall, the quality of the games, the intensity of the games, was as good as you could get or expect for January out of your 68 games. So I don't know if the rest of the way, you may see games that can match it. I'm not sure you're going to see games that can beat it until you get to the playoffs. You know, Hartley, you, you've been, uh, you know, giving me what, I, what I've been looking for and asked for, you know, brought up a couple of, points that I was planning on bringing up, you know, specifically, you know, I feel like, you know, Raffensperger should be a bigger story in this league. I, I thought he had taken more of a, of a number one role than, uh, than, than apparently is, is the case, but, you know, still, a, a, you know, I, I think one of the bigger stories in the league, as far as, 
you know, a team leading leading their conference with a with a 17 in goal, and then you know also you know you see in the the the, the evolution of Nikovakian and and I def I heard you you know mention on the broadcast and then you know recap it here as far as you know you're right we've been watching that story pretty closely here a guy that was was out of the league and you know there was no room at the end and he's really you know made the most of his of his uh, opportunities here you mentioned three and four nights he's he's played the last 11 straight for Portland which isn't a thing that they like to do but you know I I I think you know most of us thought it was just a stopgap until some guys got healthy I think. I think they might have to find a home for some of these younger goalies, and, and might have to keep him on as as insurance through the through the playoffs. Uh, you know, once they get Spoonar back, but that's you know yet to be seen. Yeah, and obviously when Spooner comes back, he's going to be their guy. I don't think there's any question about that. But you know, yeah, you mentioned about that the vacuum has made all those consecutive starts. Uh, but I was just trying to point out that three of them came on the road in a four day span. And often, you know, we see a different goaltender Friday compared to Saturday, especially if a team has played on Wednesday. But Portland was in a situation that Avakian has played so well for them that they had to keep doing that. Where, as I mentioned to you, Prince George went into that weekend knowing that each goaltender was going to uh, play a, a game. Ravensburgen is a real story. I mean... We've never seen a goaltender in the CHL start their career as a 17-year-old with half a dozen shutouts in his first 13 starts. I mean, it's unheard of. There have been other games where he has lost a shutout in the third period and allowed one goal. Now, he was not selected in the prospects draft. Not a team took him. And, but... The day after the draft, the Cougars listed him on their 50-player roster. List, if you will. And I've been asking, and I asked Bob Simmons, who's their head scout, how did Ravensburgen get overlooked? And it really had to do with the fact that in his draft-eligible year, it was COVID. And so scouts didn't go players didn't go and, and and he was in a situation where he was on a rotation basis and all of those kinds of things he fell through the cracks because he wasn't seen enough during the COVID era I think is the short answer I think there's a longer answer to that but you know so he came in and at the time remember when he when he joined when he made the team he was 16 he has a late birthday, so he's not even draft eligible this year for the NHL draft uh, because he's a late birthday, and so he just turned 17 in November. Uh, but at the time he made the team and started his shutout streak, he was 16, and and again, at best, it was looked that he was going to be the third string goaltender. Well, you know uh, they. Uh, he quickly made second string and, you know, Ty Young with his credentials and everything like that. And then when he started to play so well at the beginning, I kept asking Mark Lamb, well, aren't you going to play him more? And, yeah, well, you know, uh, Ty's still our number one goaltender. And they, they, they kept that tune as long as they could until the coaches realized what everybody else was realizing is we've got something special here. 
This is a six foot four goaltender that, you know, plays his angles well, rebound control. He's got strong mental capabilities in terms of when he gives up a bad goal, not letting it affect him the rest of the game. And look, and McBee, very honest, he's given up bad goals like everybody else. Matter of fact, uh, when they lost in Portland 4-3, it wasn't a great goal that won it. Uh, were you at that game, Chad? I, I was. I was I was at ice level on the other end of the rink, so I didn't get the best okay. feel for it, but it uh, <laughs> there was a lot of juice in the building when he scored. I know that. Yeah, so I mean, Portland scored with one minute left, and that wasn't Ravensburg's finest hour. So he has had some games and some goals that you know haven't been his best. But what I've noticed is when he does have an off game or gives up not a great goal, he comes back and doesn't let it affect him like a lot of rookies. Oh my gosh! Like what just happened? How did I, how could I not stop that? How did we not win the game? All those kinds of things. He is very, very strong mentally. And he has very good mechanics. Now, I'm not a goaltender expert, but I've tried to talk to some that are. Taylor Dakers is the goaltending coach for the team, as well as their, uh, you know, in, in charge of their on-ice, off-ice operations uh, in, in terms of that. So, you know, Taylor's got a very, you know, big role with the hockey team because he has to, he's in charge of the off-ice, and, you know, he also has to deal with the uh, goaltenders. And he is, you know, mentioned right away that Ravensburgen is not a backup goaltender. He is going to, he's a starting goaltender that, you know, is a situation with Ty Young. So uh, he has been and is a real, real story. And... You know, it is going to be interesting. What is PG going to do in goal? Because usually when you go into the playoffs, you pick one guy, you ride that guy. And if you have to go to the other guy, that means that things haven't gone very well. So, you know, that is something that we're going to watch down the stretch. I still think that they will start. If everything everything in these last 24 games, let's say Young plays well, Ravensburger plays well. Even if Ravensburger has better numbers. I still believe in the first round they would start Ty Young based on experience. And they would look and say, Ravensburgen is great. We will have no trouble going to him. But he doesn't have a playoff game under his belt, so there's a little bit of an unknown there. Even though they probably feel, oh, I'd love to see what he can do in the playoffs, and he might be able to take us in the long run. So that is going to be one of the key decisions that Prince George is going to have to make. And you see, even with, with, with Portland, as good as a vacuum has been, you know, and they've got some other goaltenders, I think everybody knows that you know, Portland is going to ride Spooner, and he was off to a great start before he got hurt, and he's going to be coming back fairly soon. Matter of fact, how, how quick, Chad, do you think before he is back? I'm hearing two weeks or less. Uh, I don't have good info on it, but I was thinking it's at least that, maybe closer to a month. I'm I'm really not I'm really not sure. Okay, so you know he's going to be their guy, and in PG there's a question mark, and usually 
When you have two, you don't have one, and that's a concern. But this would be the exception, just because you've got the 19-year-old and a 17-year-old rookie. And so that is going to be something that everybody is going to watch. And then the other thing that's going to happen is, let's just say, for example, they do start Ty Young. How long would it be before they make the change? Would it be one bad game? Would it be two bad games? Would it be three bad goals, two bad goals? Or even the other way around, if, if Ravensburg had started. Because they know the other guy is really, really capable. So, you know, that's something to really follow. And that's something that, you know, if PG looks to have that long run in them, one of those two will have to, you know, carry the bull by the horn. And that's going to be a little bit more difficult than what you think. Uh, you know, because playoffs, it's different. We all know that. Sure, regular season is, can be fun and exciting and all those things. But it, it takes on a whole different complexion in the playoffs. So, uh, But getting back to your original point about Ravensburgen, he is a story. But he is... And I don't know how great he's going to be. We don't know how great he's going to be. But I can tell you from his mechanics and from watching him enough now in these home games, he is going to be a good goaltender in this league as an 18-year-old and as a 19-year-old. How good? Maybe a little bit of a question mark. Very good, excellent, superb, the very best. All of those are in play. But my guess is, at worst, he's just going to be a good goaltender. At worst. Well, you, you know, you you mentioned his, you know, his his shutouts and also the, you know, uh, his, his other his other trip to Portland. You know, I was, you know, in in the, in the building to see him to shut out the the Winterhawks earlier this year. And you know, there's a there's an excellent chance that may be the only time they they don't score this season. And so, you know, I, he's definitely. Definitely capable of, of, of having success in this building, even uh, you know, even if he'd like to have one of them back. Yeah, and you know, he played uh, you know very well on the weekend, also, and so he's he's comfortable. I, I don't think it matters to him who he plays. Now with Portland, they've got a lot of firepower. Uh, they really do. And then you know, Danielson, you haven't seen him in a Portland uniform yet because he's only played road games. But they didn't give up two first-round picks and other picks and players for a guy they know that's a rental if you want. I mean, there's really virtually no chance he's going to be back as a 20. So they picked him up for this year because Portland is all in. And Danielson is really, really good. And he looked great in Prince George. He's even going to get better once he starts to know some of his teammates, line mates, power play unit, all those things. He's just trying to fit in right now. And he looked like he's been part of the team for quite a while. But I think even once he starts getting some games under his belt and comes to the playoffs, uh, he's a difference maker. And, you know, Portland's it's a gamble when you do that. Because if the Winterhawks do not have playoff success, and, and, and in my mind... 
with Prince George, Portland, maybe a little bit less with Everett, playoff success is minimum, minimum winning two rounds. That gets you to the conference final. That gets you into the final four. Now, in some cases, I, I think in Portland's case, because they've got 12, 19-year-olds, although three of them are goalies, I think that the Winterhawks would think that they've got to get to the league final to make this season a success and then the ultimate success if you win, of course. But, um, you know, in the Prince George case, they've got it in my mind to, to have a They won a round last year, and that was the first time they won a round in 16 years. That's how long it's been. 16 years they won a round last year. And then they, you know, they got knocked off handily by Seattle, but... We talked in the podcast last year about how good that Thunderbirds team is, and we may not see another WHL team as strong as that one for many years. But Prince George, to call this season a success, they need to win at least two rounds of the playoffs. And finishing first in the Western Conference helps that because you would avoid Portland or Everett. But, uh, you know, it, it's... You know, it, it's going to be very, very interesting because uh, Danielson gives Portland that extra element. They've already got scores. You know, we, we don't have to go through the list of guys. You know, I don't have to mention Stefan and Davies and you know, Klassen and all the guys that they've got that can find the net. And how good is Cagnoni and all that on the back end and, and everything like that. But they, they've got a lot of guys that can score and Danielson adds to that firepower. And uh, so it, it, it's, it, it's an interesting gamble that the Winterhawks are taking, but I think one that they feel in their mind is well worth it. Yeah, I mean, tr- they've been, you know, a, a team of, you know, like, well, they don't play the trap, but, the, you know, the 95 Devils, they're, you know, a, a bunch of, of really good players, but but no stars. And so... You know, they kind of changed that, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the kid they brought in from, from Wisconsin from the NCAA and then also, you know, Danielson with his, with his pro deal in, in, the, in his pocket and also, you know, World Juniors success. So it is uh, – they have changed the complexion slightly, you know, and, and, yeah, costly as far as from an asset management standpoint. But, you know, and, and, and you're right, we haven't, uh, we haven't been treated to, to, to see him play and Danielson play in, in person yet, but uh, – but that day comes here this weekend on a, a, a game added to the schedule because of a make-up make up for a snow game. Yeah, and Jugnoth is the guy that they ended up, you know, another excellent blue liner you're referring to there, I think. And uh, that's another really good addition that they've made to the team that, you know, wasn't around earlier. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a smooth trade. But you take a look. And, and, and talent-wise... You know, people are, you know, how, how does Prince George and Portland, you know, how do they match up talent-wise? There might be a little bit more skill with Portland, but the difference isn't very much. You know, Hartley, you, you mentioned, you know, winning a, a round for the, the first time in 16 years, which is, you know, kind of hard to, to, to grasp, you know, especially, you know, there'll be a lot of Portland fans listening to this that, you know, we, uh, you know, the, the, Meg Johnson set the bar very high playing in, in 19 playoff rounds in a, in a, in a, in a five-year span. But, you know, to 
to have you know success of late you know again a lot of a lot of you know feel good stories about you know finally getting that over, over the hump and, and expecting more this year um you know you, have you been covering this team for for long enough the the the, the 97 run was was it was Chara yeah as a matter of fact uh, I've been in the Prince George media for close to 45 years and so I wasn't on the broadcast at that time but basically I've you know, since Prince George began and the old Coliseum where they didn't even have 2,000 seats that they are waiting for at that time, the multiplex now CN Center to get ready, uh, 94, 95, I basically watched it all, seen it all, saw the Chera, saw the great upset of uh, Portland in 97, watched it firsthand, at least the games in Prince George didn't travel then, but uh, so I've seen, seen some ups, a lot of downs, never seen a uh, you know, reaching beyond uh, uh, winning. A, they've won in the past. They've won a couple of rounds, but that's been it. Uh, you know, never getting right to that league final. And, you know, so, uh, you know, 97 was very, very special. So a lot of us fans can go back to that, but there's a lot of uh, fans that, uh, you know, that don't recall that. And, of course, they had some success in 2007 as well in, in the postseason, you know, getting the Western Final as well. So there's been a couple of times in their history they've made the Western Conference Final. Whether this team can go further than that, I'm not so sure. Uh, but they do have the uh, possibility. That at least they've got the roster that you can realistically say they've got a shot. You know, I... I forget, I don't know about everybody else, but I forget about that that set of Gucci team having success. But you know that that '97 team. I mean, I, I hear stories about you know the whole town having having cougar fever and you know really kind of you know embracing that that spring that that you know run that they had. I mean, what what was the vibe like around town? That's kind of what I really wanted to know. I can't even explain it to you. You know, at that time when. Uh, people got their tickets. Uh, the tickets, in, and people would phone in for their tickets and all that stuff, and there wasn't the, the way you get tickets now and people on their phones and everything like that. There wasn't that available back in 97. And you either had a lineup or phone. Sometimes you couldn't get in. Uh, the tickets would go on sale, and especially after, you know, a couple of games, even even after they got... In that first round, they were such an underdog against Portland, but they got the split in the first two games there. And the, the tickets would be gone within 15 minutes to 30 minutes, and that includes the lineup for people that were waiting. They had to put some tickets. But the phone lines were so jammed. Uh, I, I remember some of the operators said they've never seen anything like it. The fever in town. And you have to remember also that you know, the team just arrived in 94 and 95 and didn't have any success then. And, and that particular, you know, 97 team, they, uh, you know, they, they were a, a lower seed, number six, but, you know, Jared only played half a season, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, Brewer and, and Kwiatkowski, they, they, had, they had a lot of, you know, high-end defensemen. And, you know, Chris Mason with his goaltending, I mean, there was nothing... We've never seen goaltending like that since, uh, as, as great as it was, because Portland had all that firepower, and that was a team that should have definitely won and all those kinds of things. So 
There's something about embracing the underdog, and that's what Prince George did. And they were a team that you know everybody just rallied around uh, the towels. Uh, the when you're in the building, it was funny because on Saturday, full house, six thousand fans, and it got loud. It got really loud at times. You know, Prince George got a school, and it was loud. Still, nothing like the six thousand fans from 97 there was just it, it was everybody that was into people were standing throughout the games uh it was like you were you were a fortunate person to get one of those tickets if you were able to go to a playoff game for prince george back then so that has not been duplicated i'm not sure that it can be but ask me again if Prince George has a successful run and we're getting further into the playoffs, if it is duplicated. But it was very, very special. And then there was the long, long drought, as I mentioned, the 16 years. It went 15 years without winning a playoff series. And a lot of those 15 years, they didn't even make the playoffs, let alone lose in the first round. So it's been quite a, quite a long time. And, you know, people have come to Prince George and oh, yeah, we'll just get our four points on a weekend and leave and all that stuff. There wasn't necessarily a lot of respect. And, and rightfully so, I don't know if Prince George had earned that respect. Things have changed. Things are different. Another thing that I'm, I'm going to point out to you that I want to say I really feel is a difference with this season's PG Cougars team. That's the addition of Jim Playfair, their associate coach. Now, here's a guy from Fort St. James, which is 100 kilometers from Prince George. And he played a little bit in the NHL. His brother played more, Larry, played more, and then he did a lot more. But Jim has been a coach at the NHL level, as a you know, head coach, Calgary Flames, finished first, lost in the first round, got let go, got replaced by Mike Keenan, has never been given a chance since. He's still puzzled, and I, I don't blame him about that. I got a chance in the AHL, and a lot of people, when they Google Jim Playfair and uh, having a coaching fit, you know, we'll see him uh, when he was in the AHL and throwing things and getting on the official's case. And, of course, when we had him on the podcast, it's always that always comes up and everything like that. But the Cougars, in years, have never been good on the penalty kill. This year they've been great on the penalty kill. And that's Jim Playfair's responsibility. He's not as much on the power play. I think that's more Mark Lamb. And the power play's been really good. But they've had other years. Like last year, I think Prince George is number two in the power play as well. But PG has not had a good penalty kill. And that has been where Jim Playfair has made immense difference. And he's taken offensive players and converted them into penalty killers and telling them if you want to get to the NHL, you got to be a really good penalty killer, not just a scorer. His attention to detail, I don't know, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this from various sources, well-respected sources. There's nobody that looks at film more than him. There's nobody that loves to talk the game more. He's, he's very intense, a different personality than Mark Lamb. They work very well together. There's a lot of respect there because of Lamb's success as a player, coach, same with Jim. They're both 59 years old. Jim Playfair 
last year was a consultant. You know, he got let go as an assistant by Edmonton Oilers at the time that Dave Tippett got let go. So, you know, he had some time on his hands, and he helped out casually. And then when Josh Dixon decided to go to Ontario, back to his home province in the offseason, there was an opening for an associate coach. And, you know, Mark gave Jim Playfair a call, and he said, yeah, let me think about it. I, I, I might be interested. But, you know, he got a lot of offers. Uh, pro offers, WHL offers. I'm not exactly sure what they were, but he really should be a, a head coach at, at the WHL level, if not higher level, AHL. And I, you know, at some point, for his sake, I hope he gets another chance in the NHL. It has happened occasionally, but he's going to be into his 60s. I don't know if that's going to work to his advantage. But he has made a real difference on this hockey team. And you talk to the players, and they will tell you that uh, he, and we, we hear the terms attention to detail. And what is that? Well, he breaks things down, where you're supposed to be, how every little thing he will show each player. And uh, there's just some guys that have special talents in terms of breaking things down and the finer points of the game that other people just some people, they just have that more than others, and he has that ability to relate to a player exactly where your skate should be, where your stick should be, where your position is, why you're, if you're even out of position for a few inches, why it matters, where you need to be, how that goal went in, if the opposition scored, where the individual should have been. He's been really, really good. I don't think they've got him long-term because I think that uh, he will end up getting a, a head coaching job somewhere. He wants, you know, His goal is obviously to get back to the NHL and not just be an assistant. But uh, he has been a real big addition, and nobody, nobody has denied that. Uh, Tyler Bruff is... Um, uh, sort of a fourth coach of the PG Cougars. He's the head coach of the Caribou Cougars, who are uh, an elite under-18 team. It's a midget team. Um, and he's sort of joining the... Uh, Tyler Bruff actually played on the PG Cougars 1997 team that won a couple of rounds, including the upset over Portland. And he, He's been around a little bit, and they're sort of getting him into the coach. And he says he's never run into any coach like Jim Playfair for attention to detail. And he said he's never learned so much in such a short period of time that he'll be able to use that in his coaching career. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you an example of sometimes you think, well, you know, an assistant coach or associate coach, rather, whether assistant, associate, however you want to call it, but he's an associate coach. But he's an associate coach with authority that uh, when he talks about the penalty kill, when he talks about playing at his own end, Mark Lamb's not going to disagree with him. Mark Lamb is not going to overrule him. The players understand and they know from the blue line back, that's Jim Playfair's responsibility. And he does an outstanding job with that. And take a look at the Cougars' goals against. Well, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to ask Mark Lamb a couple times about, you know, winning the Stanley Cup with the Oilers. But, you know, Jim Playfair, when, when, when he was a player in this league, he, you know, won the league one year and the Memorial Cup the next year. And that's uh, – you know, it's been some time ago, but you know, it's it's uh, it's it's something something pretty nice to put on your resume that you only get 
so many chances to win a Memorial Cup and then also win in the league on top of that. So that's, uh, you know, that's not too bad either. Well, yeah, so he's had success as a player uh, at the junior level. Didn't get a lot of NHL games, but, you know, was able to play professional hockey and experience all that. And this year, uh, he got some international experience for the very first time in his career. It took until being nearly 60, but he was asked to be an assistant coach for Team Canada at the Spengler Cup in Switzerland. And Bruce Boudreaux was the head coach of that team, and he and Bruce have a really good relationship. And so he took up that opportunity. Now, Canada uh, didn't do as well as they had hoped in that particular tournament. They lost out in the uh, semifinal. Uh, you know, they had a 3-1 lead late and lost 4-3. to And it was one of the things that Jim mentioned. He said, uh, said well, what did you learn? And said, you're always learning about holding on to leads and what goes into them and everything like that. I mean, you know, you're in your last game at the Spengler Cup, Team Canada is up 3-1 to one and they end up losing 4-3 when the game was 3-1 with five minutes left. Pretty tough way to end a tournament, but that's what happens. And as uh, Jim mentioned, that's another thing that he can learn from that he can help relay to the uh, players. Um, and he's helped a lot of players. So when Riley Height, for example, wasn't selected to play for, uh, uh, try out for Team Canada for the World Juniors, Jim Playfair was right there and giving him stories about how players have been overlooked and uh, and, and Heights become a better player since then. We were very surprised in Prince George that you know he wasn't selected to at least try out. But you know, Hockey Canada they've got their way, and I know he's 18. So, but they did take some 18 year olds on the team and everything like that. So I, I'm sure he'll be on the team next year. But he's become a better hockey player under Jim Playfair. Yeah, that World Junior squad could use another couple couple more goals, but that's uh, you know hindsight's twenty twenty on that one. Um, so yeah. I, I've kept you for for some time, Harley. You know, probably should start to put a bow on this. Um, you know, as the Cougars, you know, it's it's you know nothing nothing's guaranteed yet, but they're putting a strong bid towards you know winning the winning the division again this year and and, and hanging another banner in the in the CN Center. And you know what do, what do you think? that would mean to the to the locals the 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 fans of the cougars that have that have been there and and also for the fans that could be there that haven't been you think uh you know what would how, how do you think the you know the the, the feelings are going to be you know going down the stretcher i do get a little bit of a kick out of it chad you said another banner <laughs> you've only got one <laughs> so 16 17 i think that 16 17 banner it is nice I'm not going to deny that, but that banner is diminished because they had no playoff success with that team. So it was something that they were not able to do in the past, and you know they were able to finish a point ahead of Kelowna. So the, the, the banner has some significance, but not near as much as fans in PG would like it to mean. They're happy it's there. They recognize it's there. But I think for a good portion of the Prince George hockey fans, they look at that banner and oh, gosh, yeah. The year we thought we had it, or we could have had it. So I think there's mixed feelings about that banner. This year, there is no question in my mind they are going to win the BC division. I mean, Victoria's the only one within possible striking distance. 
It's not going to. Victoria's not catching Prince George. I mean, PG's got six games left with Kamloops out of their 24. I'm not saying they're going to win all six, but there's a lot of points that they're going to get out of those games. Kamloops is not a good team this year. They try hard. They can knock you off now and then. I'm not saying anything is a given, but Victoria is not as strong as Prince George. They're, 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 they're you know, several points back. Mathematically, yeah, Victoria could catch Prince George. It's not going to happen. So Prince George is going to win the BC division. That's going to produce a banner. And it'll be nice again. Yeah, okay. Banner will go up. They'll say regular season, BC division champions, 23-24. Uh, okay. Now, can you get that Western Conference championship? Can you be number one in the Western Conference? That would have a lot more significance. So that's something that the team will strive for. If this team finishes first in the BC division, whether they win the Western Conference or not, that, you know, we won't talk about that. But if they end up first and they get that second banner and they lose in the first round, it will be as crushing, disappointing, frustrating as 16-17, even though... 16-17 was all about that year and there was nothing left the next year. And this year people would be able to say, well, they'll have a strong team coming back. But it will, the, the, the banner will be uh, diminished again. If they win one round like they did last year and they have that banner up, there will still be some disappointment. But it will be, that banner will be, I would say, satisfactory, but not over-jubilation. I think they need to win two rounds of the play. And I'm going based on talent in that. Like, they're gonna, they are going to get, like we mentioned way earlier in the podcast, they're getting a, a Vancouver, a Spokane, a Tri-City, or a Seattle in the first round of the playoffs, in all likelihood. And PG's roster and talent is considerably better than those teams. So winning a round should happen. Now, you get into the second round, that's where, you know, we're going to have to see who they are playing. You know, uh, if they avoid Everett and Portland, they should be able to beat a Wenatchee or a Victoria, especially the diminished Wenatchee team. And Victoria is just not... Victoria's good, but they're just not overly good. So I think that they need to win two rounds for that second banner for the fans to look and really be proud. Now, some would even go and say, well, you know, everything's about the playoffs and you need, you know, if you could get to somewhere that they haven't been before, which would be winning the Western Conference, then it just adds, and then you're getting another banner and all those kinds of things. So it's sort of in stages as to where it's at. But that first banner, it uh, brings back some memories, a lot of them positive. It was very exciting because it came down to the last day of the regular season before they clinched first place, and they had been in first place. They went wire to wire, just like they're going to do this year. 
PG has been in first place in the BC division from the start, and they are going to go wire to wire. And I could tell that was going to happen quarter into the season, I had mentioned. You watch. They're going to go wire to wire in the division. I didn't say the conference, but the division. And they did that in 1617, but at the end of 1617, they needed, with Kelowna pushing and Kelowna on a winning streak, they needed to get a point out of that last game, and that's exactly what they got. This year, there is going to be no drama for BC Division. Victoria is not going to all of a sudden, I, I don't believe, they're not going to, it's not going to come down to the last weekend and Victoria is right where Prince George is and all of that. Now, there will be some possible drama and excitement about whether they can finish first in the Western Conference, which is more significant than the BC Division, especially the way it sets up for seeding and all of that. So, expectations will be high, and rightfully so, because they really feel, and that's why they upgraded, that's why they got Dallas, a point-a-game player from Regina. And, you know, they gave up uh, a 17-year-old defenseman who actually was a first-round pick, but somebody that they thought, you know, may not be huge in their future. And, you know, Dallas also has a chance of coming back as a 20-year-old next year. And then as far as the defenseman Pauls, steady Eddie. They needed that physical presence back there. They put everything into place. And never, you, you're talking like everybody, Ravens, Bergen, and Goal, Young's got the NHL contract. This team is positioned to win two rounds. Then we will talk about where they could go after that. And if they get the BC Division banner and don't win two rounds it's going to almost have another asterisk beside it, especially if they were to knock, get knocked off in the first round. Well, I don't know how many times we've, you know, over the, the years on, on these uh, podcasts, the, you know, the, that run of the, the, the 2017 Cougars come up, but, you know, I've always said that even if it didn't work, it was still the right thing to do. You know, even, even with the hindsight that, you know that you know there wasn't playoff success. I mean, you know, for a team that you know going through a playoff drought like that and having the horses they had, you know, gambling like they did. I mean, you know, sometimes you you lose when you gamble, but you know, it, it was. I mean, you, you still kind of had to do it. It just it just really you know hurts to have to dig out of that hole afterwards. The one thing that they learned is that they felt they gave up too many future prospects, first-round picks. They traded a couple of high-end 17-year-old players that turned out to be stars in the WHL. Uh, you know, Almeida being one of them. And it, there, there was a price that came with it. And I know what you're saying from the outside. When you haven't had a banner, you want to have a banner. It is, there is some value to that. But the value really comes when, from a Prince George perspective. And remember, Portland in the second round, they lost to Cologne in five games. In other words, you know, Portland was a team on the rise, a young team, but they were, they, they were not going to win a championship. PG's roster had that ability to win a championship. So one thing the Cougars learned, and Mark Lamb wasn't part of that team, but even ownership, we can't. Do. When we get a good team again, 
we can't just be all in for one year. And that's why this roster is different, where they're going to be able to return a lot of players, a lot of good players, still have a foundation where they are going to be very competitive next year. So I know some people will look at it that it was all worth it because they ended up with the banner. You may have a hard time convincing some Prince George hockey fans of that, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, we'll we'll see, and and you know, uh, you know, I I, I I suspect that you know most fans listening to this would like to like to see them have some successes as long as they're not playing the Portland Winterhawks. Right, and you know, rightfully so, and it's uh, uh, and some of the rivals that Portland has, whether it's a Tri City or Spokane. Maybe Prince George will play them in the first round. And Portland would like to see uh, one of their rivals get knocked off again. And I, I think when, if you're Portland, I think that ideally you would love to see a Prince George-Portland uh, Western final. Now, some may say you want to see Portland-Everett because of the travel, which is, I, I could see that point. But there's something about Prince George and Portland. What, what I saw that last weekend with those six periods, and you have to remember, you watched uh, earlier in the season when Prince George played Portland. The rosters have changed a little bit since then, especially the first game. Now that the rosters are all set, uh, this is it, – it, it's skill. Yeah, there's going to be some physical play and everything like that. But there is – I think – now, Everett, I think, is very good, and they play very well as a team. But if I'm looking at skill and talent – in the Western Conference, the two top teams are Portland and Prince George. That doesn't mean that Everett can't come out of the conference, but I don't think they have, on paper, the skill and talent of these two teams. And if you're a hockey fan, like, I would, myself, I would like Prince George to ideally play Portland in the Western Final more than anybody else and you know how you say, well, if, uh, you know, Portland and Everett get knocked off and you get easier opponents, everything like that, and that's fine and that's great and everybody just wants to win. But you want to see excellent hockey played at a high level in the WHL? Not as high level maybe as Seattle last year, but certainly the next level down, as good as it's going to get for two teams. Portland, Prince George would have it all. And considering, you know, a little bit of history, what happened, you go back to 97 and PG with the upset of Portland, you go back to 1617, Portland with the upset of PG, and all of that and everything like that. I'm not saying it's a rivalry like they brought the States or anything like that, but Portland went away. I'll tell you, I watched those Winterhawk players leave the ice on Saturday. They were very happy to make sure they went on the bus with at least one win, and they probably thought they should have got at least three points out of four. But they were satisfied to come back and win that game. And I think Portland knows. I think PG knows. They are, that's our top competition. We don't know if it's going to, you know, because both teams are going to have to win two rounds. There's a grind to that. But hockey fans are going to win out. And Portland fans would really enjoy that series. And you would be able, I, I remember, you know, Chad, last year you, you asked me in the podcast, who's going to win, Seattle or Kamloops, in the playoffs? And, and, and from your point of view, you just seen 
Kamloops beat uh, Portland, and I'd watch Seattle wallop Prince George, not just beat them. And I suggested to you there was too much of a goaltending difference and that I don't care what anybody says, Seattle is going to win that series. I sort of thought five, I said at the most six. As it turned out, you know, Seattle was up 3-1. Ernst had a great game in, in net for Kamloops and Portland, and Seattle eventually won in six. And I know at that time, because you had just seen Kamloops, you, you really thought in your mind, a lot of people did, Kamloops, Seattle, oh, that's a tough one to pick. That's tough. In my mind, I thought the goaltending was too different. I, I thought Seattle had too big an edge in goaltending. I just thought Seattle had a better team. But if we get this year, Portland and Prince George, now that's a toss-up. That is where you could start to make cases for Portland and for Prince George. And, you know, I understand that, you know, I am do the home broadcast for the Cougars. I'm not paid by the Cougars. I'm paid by the radio station. I just want to make that clear. But, uh, you know, and a lot of people from Prince George would, you know, obviously predict Prince George to win. I, I'm not, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, in terms of how I would look at it, I know that I'm going to have to really assess it at that particular time and not just say, hey, Portland's going to win or PG's going to win. I was convinced last year Seattle would beat Kamloops. I'm not convinced who would win between Portland and PG as the saga continues, as the drama builds. Let's see what happens in the regular season. Let's see how these teams are doing in terms of playoffs. And then in terms of injury. You know, Spooner was out for Portland, but Zemer... You know, high-scoring forward for Prince George, third-round pick of the L.A. Kings, 19-year-old, plays with height, plays in the top line. He's been out for Prince George. He's coming back for the playoffs. He suffered a serious ankle injury, and he's been out for quite some time, supposed to start skating early March. He's convinced he'll be ready for the playoffs. That's going to be a big addition for Prince George. But we see what the rosters are. We see what the talent is now. Two key injuries can certainly turn things around. So, But all things being equal, if we add Spooner to Portland, we add Zemer to Prince George, from what we saw on the past weekend, it's going to be a toss-up. And people can make predictions, which we all love to do and have fun with that, but they would have predictions with a little bit of, hmm, I think this team is going to win, but I'm not going to be surprised if the other team is going to win. Love it. Well, Hartley, I appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure we're not done talking about the, the, the Cougars here down the stretch on, on this show or on WHL Unfiltered. So uh, I, I appreciate your time. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, being on your uh, podcast, Chad, and anytime, always available. And, uh, all the best to you and the Portland Winterhawk fans, and I just appreciate the opportunity uh, today to uh, be a little bit of part of uh, Bucklandia.